Tonight, visit with Cousin Willie on NBC. Sound off for Chesterfield. Chesterfield, low in nicotine, highest in quality, best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. You get a call that a man has barricaded himself in his apartment. The report says he's going to kill himself. Your job, stop him. Smokers by the thousands are now changing to Chesterfield, the only cigarette ever to give you one, proof of low nicotine, highest quality. Two, this proven record with smokers. No adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfield. Chesterfield, regular or king size, low in nicotine, highest in quality, best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Wednesday, November 18th. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out a homicide detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Warman. My name's Friday. I was on my way back to the office, and it was 10.32 a.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Joe? Yeah? That didn't take too long. No, Saul just got the coffee made. Here you are. Thanks. Boy, it sure is hot. Mm-hmm. Anything come in? No, it's been pretty quiet. I got it. Homicide, Friday. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am, when was that? Mm-hmm. No, ma'am. No, if you'll wait just... Yes, I understand, but... Yes, ma'am, if you'll wait just a moment, I'll transfer you to robbery. Yes, ma'am, well, I'll explain it to you over there. Right. Could you hold on, please? Would you give this call to 2511, please? Yes, that's right. Sure dismal weather. Yeah. Feels like it's gonna rain, doesn't it? Paper says it might hit tonight. Yeah. Well, I hope it clears up before Sunday. What do you got figured out this time? Well, Joe, I don't understand why you say it that way. You don't, huh? No. Well, what do you got figured? Take a look at this. I got just the ticket right here. The ticket, huh? Yes, sir, look at that. The answer to every homeowner's prayer. Take a look. Yeah. Gonna be a beauty, isn't it? No, if you say so. Now, look, look here, Joe. Look what it says. Easy, simple, install in a few hours. Just the ticket. Do you need one of these? Have you seen our backyard lately? 
No, not for a couple of weeks. Looked all right the last time I did see it. Well, you ought to see it now. It's pretty bad. It is, huh? Awful. I just stand there and look at Perry's yard and want to throw rocks at mine. Perry's the fireman, isn't he? No, Joe. That's Neil you're thinking of. He lives on the other side. Perry's the insurance salesman. Oh, yeah, salesman. that's right. Yeah. He's the one who tries all his sales talks out on you, is that Yeah, right? tells me all about him. That's pretty good, too. Joe, would you believe it? Up to now, I've bought $246,000 worth of insurance. What? Yeah, me, just a policeman. <laughs> of course, that's all on paper, just on paper. Yeah. What's wrong with your yard? Too dry. Too dry. Yeah. Hot weather this summer, you know. Little plants that Faye put out drop like flies, Joe. They died. Like flies. But this is the answer, this right here. See? Home sprinkler system. Install it yourself. What's that? Look at it. Well, what, what is it? It's a home sprinkler system, Joe. Read what it says here. Resist corrosion, rust, and rot. The answer? It is. Right. I'm going to put one of these little gems in my backyard. Just turn on the faucet. Everything's all watered. Don't have to stand there with a hose. Just turn it on and it's watered. You're going to put this in yourself, are you? Well, I could, Joe. Like it says here in the paper, shouldn't be any trouble at all. Who's going to do it? Well, I thought I'd get all the stuff together and then just start on it Sunday. You know, about 10, 10.30 in the morning. Old Perry and Neil work out in the yards that time. They do, huh? Yeah. They'll see this little gem and they're going to hop over the fence, see what it's all about. And then what happens? I got him, Joe. I got him. You yeah. have? Sure, Joe. They see me laying out the sprinkler system right off. They're going to want to help. Well, if you want them to give you a hand, why don't you just ask them? Well, you just can't do it that way, Joe. It wouldn't be right. It wouldn't, huh? No. You got to be subtle. Remember the kid that whitewashed the fence? Who? You know, Huck Finn or whatever his name was. Whitewashed the fence. You're still reading those books? No, but I remember that he was pretty subtle. Mm -hmm. I got it figured out. They'll come over and, you know, look around, start asking questions. And next thing, they'll be working. After we get the system in, I'll throw a little barbecue and just sit around, turn on the new sprinkler, and it'll be cool. Yeah. Sure hope it clears up before Sunday. Well, it doesn't matter, does it? Well, sure, Joe. If it rains Sunday, old Perry and Neil won't be out in their yards. They won't be able to see me with the hoses and the sprinkler heads. Yeah, but if it rains, there won't be any need to put in the sprinkler system right away, will there? I got it. Homicide, Friday. Yeah, Sid. Uh-huh. Did you talk to him? What'd he say? Right. All right, we'll be right over. Want to get your coat? What is it? Sid Hughes over at the mirror. Yeah. Just got a call from a guy who's going to kill himself. Ten thirty-seven a.m., Frank and I notified the complaint board what had happened, and then we left the office. As we drove out of the city hall garage, it started to rain. We turned up First Street and then over to Spring. Sid Hughes, the reporter who'd called me, was waiting in front of the mirror building. Sid, over here. Oh. You got the address, Sid? Yeah, here. 2682 North Ardmore, out by the ambassador. Hi, Smith. Hi, Sid. All right, let's go. What do you got on him, Sid? Well, a couple of minutes ago, the guy called. I answered the phone, told me his name was Jan Padacek, said he was going to kill himself. Yeah? I talked to him for a couple of seconds. It was easy to see he wasn't just another crank. He meant what he said. How'd he happen to call you? I don't know. He said something about the paper treating him right. Said he wanted to thank us. You know what he's talking about? No, I got Casey Shawhan working on it now. He's our city editor. Yeah, I know. He's checking the morgue file to see if he can come up with anything. You ever heard of him, Frank? No, name does nothing to me. How come you figure he's on the level, Sid? Well, the way he talked, I can't put my finger on it. Just something in the way he sounded. You knew he meant what he said. What'd you tell him? 
I tried to bluff it through, told him that there wasn't anything so important he ought to kill himself over. Yeah. I asked him to let me talk to him, asked him to wait until I could see him. What did he say to that? Told me it wouldn't do any good. Nothing could make him change his mind. Said I'd be wasting my time. Yeah. Told him I had a lot of it. Wouldn't do any harm to let me see him. He went along with that, did he? Yeah. Said he'd wait 15 minutes. Told me to come alone, not to figure on trying anything. Yeah. Frank, you better kill the siren when we get near the place. Right. What time you got? 10.42. Can we go any faster? What's that? I told you I believe the guy. Yeah? He said to get there before 11.05. Twenty-six eighty-two Ardmore was a two-story Spanish-type apartment house. There was a large courtyard in the center of the U-shaped building. Apartment number eight was at the rear of the yard. When we got there, there were several other people standing by the entrance. Two police units had arrived, and the officers were trying to keep the crowd away from the door to the apartment. 11.03 a.m. As we walked back toward Patichek's apartment, Sid Hughes and I tried to figure some way to talk the man out of carrying out his threat to take his own life. I'm not sure how to handle this thing, Joe. I'd feel pretty bad if I went in and botched it up. I wish you could do it. Well, has Patichek ever seen you before? I don't think so. Why? Well, we can try a switch if you want to. Tell him I'm Sid Hughes. Well, that'd be better, Joe. You got some idea what to do in there. I'm not sure I could swing it. All right. I told him I'd shove one of my cards from the newspaper under the door. That way he'd know it was me. All right. Now, after you're inside, I'll try and get in touch with Casey and see what he's been able to come up with on Patichek. Good. Oh, better leave your gun here. I told him I'd come unarmed. All right. You think it's a good idea to go in there without a gun, Joe? No, well, we haven't got much to say about it. The big thing right now is to try to get him out of life. Yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, you want to hang on to this for me? Right. All right, let's give it a try. Who is it? It's Sid Hughes, Patichek. I told you I'd be out here. You want to let me in? What about the car? All right, here it is. Under the door. How about it? Got a check? Well, he took the card, man. Yeah. I don't know. I hope this thing works out. Well, you're going to try to get in touch with your office, aren't you, Sid, and yeah. see what you can get on him? Might help. Come on, Patichek, let me in. The police are there. I'm not going to let them in. They aren't going to bother you. Tell them to go away. Tell them to get off the porch. All right, Frank, you better get the other officers to clear the place out. Right. All right, the police are gone now. You want to let me in? Will you bring my mail in for me? What's that? My mail. It's in the box, right on the side of the porch. In the box. All right, I'll get it. All right, now let me in, huh? Come on. I'll stand right there. You don't need that gun. I'm not going to cause you any trouble. Turn around. I told you I was coming unarmed. Turn around. We'll see. All right, let's go upstairs. All right. Just a minute. Okay, let's go. Why don't you put the gun down? You're gonna need that. I feel better with it. Mind if I take off my raincoat? No, go ahead. Make yourself comfortable. Reason two is nothing important. You can't tell there might be. There isn't. I know that. You want a cigarette? No, no, but you go ahead. 
Here, have one of these. I want to be able to see your hands. All right. Well, what's this all about? There's no other way. What do you mean? All night I've been thinking about it since I got home. There's nothing for me anymore. I'm not going to prison. If they think they're going to take me, then they're wrong. Well, who says you're going to prison? The authorities. They said I have to go to jail for 90 days. I know how they plan it. They tell me 90 days, and then they'll keep me there for more. Well, I'm not going back to prison. You ever been in jail before? Yes, five years. What for? For nothing. Five years because I didn't agree with what they were doing. I'm not going back. I'm not going. I'll kill myself All first. All right, take it easy. You want to start from the beginning and tell me what happened? I said I forged a man's name to a check. Did you? Yes, but you've got to understand I didn't have any money. They're going to take my car away from me. I'm behind on my rent here. I owe money. All my creditors were hounding me. I thought if I could just get a little money to pay the bills and I could pay it back when I got a job. I was going to pay it back, all of it. I really was. How much was the check? $250. Whose name did you sign to it? A man I know. I got a check and signed his name. He has the money. I was going to pay him back. I have a job coming up. As soon as I got paid, I was going to put the money back. I didn't mean any harm. I knew it was wrong, but it was the only thing I could think of. They were hounding me. Well, what about that car? Couldn't you sell it? Well, I suppose so, but then if I did, I wouldn't be able to get to my job. I needed my car for that. I had to keep the machine. Well, you'll have a trial. If you tell them what happened, they'll probably understand. The court will make an allowance. I've had a trial. I told them I was guilty, that I did forge a check. They told me I had to go to jail. You said you'd been in prison before. Yes. Five years, and I escaped. Where was that? In Czechoslovakia. They put me in prison because I wouldn't do what they told me. They killed my father and my mother, and then they put me in prison. I know what it's like. I'm not going back. Well, the prisons here aren't concentration camps. You know well, that's that. That's what you say. I know different. I've lived in them. You see here? You see these four teeth in front? Yes, I see them. Well, they're false. Is that right? I lost the teeth when I was kicked by a guard. You know why I was kicked? You know why he did it? No. Because my clothes were torn. That's the reason he kicked me. I tore my clothes, so he knocked my four front teeth well, out. That's all over now, isn't it? Things like that don't happen here. Well, maybe not out in front of people, but they happen in the prisons. I'm not going to have it happen to me again. There, there were 800 of us, all arrested at the same time. 800, Mr. Hughes. Yeah. 800 men, people I knew. 800 human beings with homes and families. And I'm the only one alive now. All the rest were killed. All taken to Buchenwald and run through the showers. Now, don't tell me about prisons, Mr. Hughes. I know I've lived in them. Tell me something. Yes. You remember the name of the judge who sentenced you here on the forgery charge? Yes. Well, let me call him. Let me get him over here and talk this thing over. We can work something out. There's no reason for you to do a thing like you're planning here. It's not that important. Maybe not to you. It isn't to anybody. Well, we can work something out here. Let me call the judge. No, sit down, Mr. Hughes. Look, I'm not a stupid man. I have degrees from three universities. I speak four languages. I spent five years jumping every time a guard looked at me. Five years wishing they'd kill me. Five years wishing I could live in hell because it'd be much better than the way things were. Now they think they're going to send me back. They're not. You understand that, don't you, Mr. Hughes? Don't you? Yeah, I think I understand it. Look, you said yourself that you thought about it all night. Now, isn't it possible that you're making this thing more important than it really is? No. I came in here to help you. I want you to help yourself. Uh, get your hands off me, Mr. Hughes. Now, get over there. Look, I don't know how to tell you, Patichek. I don't know how to make you believe me, but none of us want to hurt you. We want you to be happy here. That's one of the reasons you came to this country, isn't it? Yes, I read the books about freedom. That's why I came here. Now they're trying to take that freedom away from me. Before I even have it, they're trying to take it away from me. I forged a check. I admitted it. I told them I did it. 
But I told him I'd pay the money back. That didn't seem to make any difference. They still said I had to go to jail. Well, you said yourself that you were put in prison for not agreeing with the authorities. Isn't that what you said? Yes, that, that's what I said. Well, they don't do that in this country. You know that. Everybody's entitled to his own opinion, live his own life. We've got laws, laws that are written by the people to protect the people. You understand that, don't you? The people themselves write the law. Yes, yes, I understand that. Well, you don't break a law just a little bit. Either you keep it or you don't. Do you understand that? Yes. Well, you broke the law, didn't you? Isn't that right? I told you I did. I broke the All law. All right, now listen. After you've broken the law, you can't make it right by saying you'll pay the money back. But the fact that you do want to rectify your mistake will certainly be taken into consideration by anybody in authority. Do you understand that? I, I don't know. I, I try to think... I've thought about it over and over. I can't come to any answer. Where are you going? Got to take something for this headache. Got a bad head. What's this here? What? This note here on the bureau. That's what I wrote. Tell why I did it so they'd know. Nobody understands what has happened to me. I cannot accept a jail term. All I want is to find peace and freedom. I guess this is the only way to do that. I'm sorry to cause anybody any trouble. Please take care of my dogs. Patacek? Yes? You know this is all wrong, don't you? I don't know. I wish I did, but I don't know. No, we're not going to need this. There's going to be no reason for it. What are you doing? Get away from there. Leave my things alone. Like all the rest, you don't understand either. You better get out of here. Get out. All right, if that's the way you want it. Why'd you crumple up this note? Now, why? I didn't think that you'd need it. I thought we had this thing straightened out. Well, we haven't. I told you, get out. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said that you'd pled guilty. You admitted you forged that check. Isn't that right? That's what I said. Well, how come you're here? How come you happen to be home? They gave me 24 hours to arrange care for my dogs. I put up a bond. They gave me 24 hours. Where'd you get the money for the bond? One of the companies by the jail. They put it up for me. Well, how about the dogs? Did you take care of them? No, not yet. Where are they? They're up in the kitchen. Can I see them? You like dogs? Certainly I like dogs. All right, come on. There they are. This one's Marta, this little one's Eric. Yeah, they look like real good dogs. They are, thoroughbred shepherds. Only friends I have. That's not true, you got friends. Who, tell me who. Well, me, for one, I'd like to be your friend if you'll just give me the chance. How about it? What do you say? What's that on your belt? What? The leather case on your belt. What is it? You don't have to answer. I'll tell you. It's a bullet clip. You're not Sid Hughes, are you? Are you? No, Jim. No, you're a policeman. You're here to take me to prison, but you made a mistake, a big mistake. Yeah. I'm going to kill you. You are listening to Dragnet. The authentic story of your police force in action. At cigarette dealers. In vending machines. At supermarkets and stores coast to coast. Chesterfields, please. Smokers by the thousands. Yes, smokers by the thousands are now changing to Chesterfield. The only cigarette ever to give you one... Proof of low nicotine, highest quality. Chemical analyses of the country's six leading brands confirm that. Two, the only cigarette ever to give you this proven record with smokers. Again and again, over a full year and one half, 
a group of Chesterfield smokers have been given thorough medical examinations. The doctor's reports are a matter of record. No adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfield. A responsible independent research laboratory supervises this continuing program. Chesterfield, the only cigarette ever with a record like this. Chesterfield, best for you. a.m. I'd been in the apartment with Jan Patacek for 13 minutes. During that time, he'd held a chrome-plated Luger pointed at me. We'd gone into the kitchen to see the dogs, and Patacek had noticed the cartridge clip on my belt. When I'd given my gun and holster to Frank, I'd forgotten to take the clip off. Patacek had noticed it when I kneeled down to pet the dogs. He'd looked at it for a minute, and then he motioned me to go into the living room. He followed, keeping the gun pointed at me. When we got into the center of the room, he told me to sit down, and he walked over to the other side of the room and sat on a chair. There's some cigarettes on the table next to you. Please give me one. Yeah, sure. Here. I'll... Just throw it over here. All right. Here you are. Thanks. Take one yourself if you like. Mm. Who are you? My name's Friday. You're a policeman, aren't you? That's right. You know, killing isn't new to me. I've done it before. All right. Yeah. See this gun? I killed the man who owned it. He was the one at the prison camp, the one who kicked me. After I escaped, I went back. Now I have the gun. Now I don't have to listen to other people who tell me what to do or when or how to do it. You'll listen to me because you know if you don't, I'll kill you. You know that, don't you? Maybe. I've seen a lot of killing. I know what it is. I won't hesitate to kill you. What about the people you know here? What about how are they going to feel after you've done away with yourself? It won't matter to them. You sound pretty sure about that. I'm as sure as I can be. You mean that in the two years that you've been over here in this country, you haven't made any friends that are going to care about you? Not at all. What about the people in that picture? Why? Right here. This photograph here. Christmas party, all the signatures. Won't they care? No. How about this one here? It says to Jan, with deepest regards, sign Mary Jane. Is this her? Yes, that's her. Looks like a nice girl to me. She is. Well, she'll care, won't she? I don't think so. Why? Because all of them, they felt sorry for me all the time. They tried to make it easier because they felt sorry for me. They thought I didn't know, but I did all the time. I knew. Well, some of the things that they wrote on the pictures doesn't make it look like that. Some of them are pretty nice. They didn't mean them. You really believe that? I don't have any other choice. How long has it been since you did believe in anything? Long time. How long? I guess since my mother died. When was that? At the beginning of the war. Right after the conference. They came one night, they took her and my father. Took them both and never saw them again. I heard what happened. Guess that's the time I stopped believing in anything. How'd you happen to come over to this country? After I escaped, I went to England for five years. I worked with the Czech forces there. Then when the war was over, I got permission to come here. I think you said before that you came over here because you wanted the freedom, isn't that right? Yes. You found it, didn't you? I guess so. Anyone ever try to tell you where you could go? No. What church to go to? No. You can say what you think, can't you? Yes. Yeah. Why do you want to do this thing? I try to tell you, I know about prisons. I know what goes on behind the doors. I lived there. I lived and died in them. You ever been in one? Yes. As a prisoner? No, not as a prisoner. Well, that's just it. Maybe they got you fooled, too. I remember when the people from the relief organizations would come along. The guard would take us out in the court of the prison. They'd make us stand there and tell the people how good they were to us. If we didn't say it that way, then they'd take us back and beat us to death. I know what goes on behind the doors. I know because I saw it. I lived it. 
Now, don't tell me what happens. Now, you and your law come along and tell me that you're going to send me back. What about them? Who's going to take care of the dogs? Isn't that the reason that you're here? Isn't that the reason you came home? Who's going to take care of them? I don't know. Somebody will. They're going to miss you. They'll miss me feeding them, that's all. You know better than me. Mother, Eric, be quiet. They seem to mind, don't they? They're well trained. You ever shown them? No. We have a lot of good dog shows around here. You ought to show them. They'd probably do real good. Do they have dog shows in prison? I don't know how to tell you. I don't know how to make you believe me. If you just let me get that judge over here, let him talk to you, maybe he can make you believe that it's not going to be like it was in your country. You'll be well-fed. You'll get decent clothes. Nobody's going to beat you. We don't do things like that here. I'm not going to prison. Just let me get that judge over here. Now, let me call him on the phone. He can be here in just a few minutes. He'll tell you. He can do something. There's no reason why we can't work this thing out. Now, let me try to help you, please. I want to believe you, Mr. Friday. I really do, but it, it, it's hard to believe in anything. I'll just ask you one thing. Trust me. I've never seen you before. I don't know you outside of this room, but I ask you to believe me. And I promise you, I give you my word that I won't let anything happen to you. I don't know. I, I don't know. Let me have that gun. Let me take it. And then we can work things out. Really think we can do it? I think we can. John? John, let me in. I want to see you. They're here now to take me. You won't let them do it, will you? Please don't let them take don't me. Don't worry. All right, you down there. Get away from that door. All right, come on, Jan. I'll go crazy if they put me in prison again. I know I will. I, I don't want to go back. Jan, come on, give me the gun, will I you? I won't go back. If I go this time, it'll be for good. Now, if they take me this time, they'll kill me for what I did. I know they will. No, they won't, Jan. Now, please, give me that gun. Let me in. Get away from that door and stay away, will you? They're going to break in. Now, quick, we got to hide. If they find us, they'll kill us both. Come on, Jan, believe me. I won't let anybody hurt you. I promise. I'll give you my word. Now, give me that you, gun. You mean you? that? I do. You won't let him take... No, now, come on. Give me the gun. I want to believe you. I want to believe you. do it. Trust me, Jan. I won't let you down. Come on. Give me the gun. Get away from that door. I'm doing the best I can. Just stand still, you. All right. We did all we could, Joe. This guy got biases. Patacek owed him money. We tried to stop him, Joe. Yeah. You the man who was with him? That's right. Well, you had no business up there. That's what you get for trying to impede justice. That's You want to tell me get. something? What were you doing pounding on that door? Patacek owed me money. I heard he was going to jail. I wanted to get it before he left. I had a right to be here. If you'd kept your nose out of this, I'd have gotten it straight Sure out. you would have. Patacek's dead. I know that. I heard the shot. I'm out a couple of hundred dollars he owed me. Think I'll ever get it back? I hope you're happy. You just took a couple of hundred dollars away from me, didn't you? Come on, Frank. Sit. Yeah. Let's go. The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On November 19th, an autopsy was performed in the coroner's office in and for the county of Los Angeles, state of California. In a moment, the results of that autopsy. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, we've been getting letters from people all over the country telling us that they've switched to Chesterfield. And just as I've been telling you, thousands of smokers are changing to Chesterfield because only Chesterfield gives proof of low nicotine, highest quality. That's why I recommend you try them today. Regular or king size, you'll find Chesterfield best for you.
The coroner's autopsy disclosed that the death of Jan Patacek resulted from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. It was officially recorded as a suicide. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Whit Connor, Vic Perrin, Jack Crucian. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Watch an entirely new Dragnet case history each week on your local NBC television station. Please check your newspaper for the day and time. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Have you tried new cork-tipped Fatima? It's the smooth smoke. Here's why. New Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for longer filtering. And Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has the tip for your lips. Try new Fatima. See how smooth it is. Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. Cousin Willie next on NBC. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. for Chesterfield. Chesterfield, low in nicotine, highest in quality, best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a forgery detail. For the past six years, a forger has been working in your city. The victims described the suspect as a woman. Her M.O. is simple, but it continues to work. Your job, stop her. Smokers by the thousands are now changing to Chesterfield. No wonder. More and more smokers are learning this fact for themselves. Chesterfield. Low in nicotine, highest in quality. A published fact proved by chemical analyses of the country's six leading cigarette brands. Chesterfield, the only cigarette ever 
with a record like this. Regular or king size, Chesterfield is best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Friday, September 18th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of forgery detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Welsh. My name's Friday. We were on our way out from the office, and it was 10.42 a.m. when we got to the ninth floor of the Beckworth department store, the credit manager's office. Yes? We'd like to see Mr. Donaldson, please. May I say who's calling? Sergeant Friday, Los Angeles Police Department. Oh, yes, he's expecting you. Just a moment. Thank you. Yes? The gentlemen from the police department are here, Mr. Donaldson. Send them in, please. Yes, sir. You want to go right in? That's the door. Thank, Thank you very much. Come on in, gentlemen. Thank you. Mr. Donaldson? Yes? I'm Sergeant Friday. This is my partner, Frank Smith. How do you do? How do you do, sir? Sit down. Thank you very much, sir. Well, do you want to tell us what this is all about? Well, it's a little mother again. I've got the receipts here on the desk. Is Sergeant Ferguson still working on this case? Yes, sir. I talked to him the last time we were stuck. Usual type of things charged? Yes, children's shoes, dresses, sweaters, same as always. I see. Now, I wonder if I could have those slips, Mr. Donaldson. Sure. Here you are. Thank you. All made out the same day. Mm-hmm. August 22nd. Yes. Our experience is that she usually comes in on a Saturday. Seems that the store is more crowded then, and the girls don't take any more time to verify the accounts than they have to. Can I see those, Joe? Yeah, here you are. Thanks. wonder if we could talk to the sales girl who waited on her. Sure. I'll have her sent up. Fine. Yes, sir? Miss Firestone, would you please have Mrs. Allen sent up? Yes, sir. I notice here the only item she charged not for children is a woman's slip. Yes, we've had a couple of them in the past, pieces of women's clothing. I talked to Sergeant Ferguson about it when he was here. Mm-hmm. Did you get the bulletin we sent out this month? Beg pardon? The bulletin, giving the woman's description, samples of her handwriting. Did you get it? Yes, sir, we did. You've got to understand, Sergeant. This is one of the biggest stores in the city. We do a lot of business. It'll be almost impossible to alert all of the sales girls to watch for the woman. Yes, sir, we understand that. But was the description sent to the children's departments? It was. It didn't do any good, though. If the woman charged large amounts, it might be easier. But uh, look at the sales slips yourself. $4 shoes, $3 dresses. Nothing to make a charge like that stand out. We make sure that there's an account in the name and then let it go. Don't you use the charge plate system? Yes, we do. But if a customer wants to charge an item and hasn't got the plate, we uh, usually just verify the account and let them sign the sales slip. Well, how about identification? Well, normally we do ask for it. But as I said, these sales are such small amounts and the woman comes in when the store is crowded. The girls just call the credit department and let her sign the receipt. I see. Oh, excuse me. Yes, sir. Yes? Oh, all right. Uh, j just a moment. Yes, sir. The woman who waited on her is out in the office. Do you want to talk to her in here? Well, we don't want to take up any more of your time, sir. We can see her out there. All right. If there's anything else you need, I'll be here. Yes, sir. Oh, officer. Yes, sir. You know, uh, I feel a little funny about this thing. Why is that, sir? Well, the thing she's charged. What's that? The thing she's taken. They were almost all kids' clothes. 
doesn't seem to be interested in anything else. Total amounts of the articles she's taken don't add up to much. It's the, it's the principle of the thing more than the value. It just seems that the only thing she's interested in is the children. Yeah, it feels a little funny to call the police about a person like that. Yes, sir, we understand. Uh, we've got a lot of this going on, but the others, they, they take things for themselves. Luxuries, you know, expensive items. But she doesn't, just for the kids. She doesn't seem to be at all interested in herself. Well, we are. Yes, well, I suppose so. Well, I'll be here if you need anything more. Thank you, Mr. Donaldson. Thanks very much. We'll be in touch with you. You'll bring the sales slips back, won't you? Yes, sir, as soon as we've had the chance to photograph them. Uh -huh. Well, I hope you can do something about it. Yes, sir, so do we. Thank you very much. Anything you need, you let me know. Yes, sir, thank you. Just a moment. Uh, Mrs. Allen? Yes? These are the police officers. How you doing, ma'am? I'm Sergeant Friday. This is my partner, Frank Smith. Hello. How do you do, Ms. Allen? You want to sit down over here, please? Yes, all right. I feel just terrible about this. Ma'am? All this forgery thing. Now, you waited on the woman, didn't you? Yes, at least in the little girl's department. Uh-huh. What if you could describe her for us? Well, she was a little woman. I'd say a 10. How's that again, ma'am? A size 10. Oh. 5'1", about 105 pounds. Cute as a button. Mm -hmm. Did she have the children with her? No. No, she didn't. I thought it was a little funny at the time, but as I say, we were so busy with the school rush that afternoon that none of us girls had a chance to really think about anything. Yes, ma'am. What color hair did she have? Kind of sandy color. Guess you'd call it a blonde. Wore it up in a bun. Uh, you know, back here, you know. Yes, ma'am. The other girls noticed it. Long. Looked nice. Different than all the other short hair cuts. Kind of old-fashioned and homey. Yes, ma'am. How was she dressed? Not very well. Had a little blue hat, dark coat, cloth coat. Collar came up like this, you know? Slash pockets. Nice, but not expensive. I say, ma'am, now would you know her if you saw her again? Oh, my, yes. Sure would. Well, we'd like you to come over to our office and look at some pictures, if you would. All right. I'll have to talk to the floor manager. We'll take care of that, Mrs. Allen. All right. You think that you might have a picture of her? We don't know. I kind of hope not. Ma'am? I hope you don't have a picture. I guess it's a little sinful to even think of it, but she had a reason for what she did. I'm sure of it. Why do you say that, Mrs. Allen? Officer, I've been selling for a long time. I met a lot of people in that time. Nice ones and nasty ones. And believe me, this is one of the sweetest people I've ever served. Mm-hmm. I understand that you call her the little mother. Isn't that right? Well, we don't, ma'am. That's what the newspapers call her. Well, it fits her to a T, right to a T. The way she bustled around those dresses, looking, testing. She was just like a mother hen trying to find something for her brood. A little doll, cute as a button. She just got to have a reason for what she's doing. Sergeant Friday? Yes, Mr. Donaldson? I'm glad I caught you. I think we've got it. Sir? The little mother is downstairs now. last six years, the same woman had been operating in the downtown department stores. During that period, she'd forged a total of $1,300 worth of merchandise that we knew of. Because of her M.O., there was no way of telling how much more had gone undetected. The operation was a simple one. She'd enter a store, go to one of the departments. There, she'd pick up articles of apparel, mostly for children, and then ask to charge them. She'd explain that she'd forgotten her charge of plate, and after the account had been verified, she'd sign the charge slip. These slips would be put in the mail to the people who maintained the account, and it wouldn't be until they noticed a discrepancy that we'd be notified. Usually a month would pass between the time the clothing was taken and we were told of it. 
In the six years that the little mother, as the newspapers had dubbed her, had been operating, almost every team of detectives in the forgery detail had worked on the case. Statements from salesgirls who'd waited on her were taken. Photostats of the sales slips were made. Witnesses were interrogated. And then when the sum total of actual physical evidence was weighed and sifted, there was no lead to the identity of the forger. The police department had gotten out printed bulletins and copies of composite drawings of the suspect, and these had been distributed to all department stores in the area. But because of the suspect's appearance and the way she operated, none of the victims became suspicious in time to notify us. The department store's protective league was working with us, but they met with the same dead ends that we'd found. Meanwhile, the evidence continued to pile up. The operation continued to work. When the manager of Beckworth's department store told us that the suspect was in the store, Frank and I were able to come up with the first concrete lead we'd had since we'd been working on the case. In the company of the manager and the saleswoman, Mrs. Myra Allen, Frank and I went down to the boys' department where the suspect was reported to be. Down this way? Yes, sir. The girl said she was over by boys' suits. I hope they were able to hold her. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a minute. Yes, sir. I know I don't have to tell you gentlemen about the store's liability in a situation like this. No, sir. Now, I'm sure it's her, but it could be very embarrassing and expensive to the store if we made a mistake. All right, sir, we understand. Good. Over here. All right. Mr. Donaldson? Mr. Donaldson? Yes, Miss Franklin. Where is she? It's not my fault. You've got to believe that. What's the matter, miss? Don't tell me you stopped the wrong person. You caused trouble with an innocent party and she could sue the store. I'm sorry, Mr. Donaldson. Where is the woman, miss? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yes, ma'am? She wouldn't wait. A quick search of the immediate vicinity in the store failed to turn up the suspect. The department store security staff was notified and a watch was put on all of the doors. The credit department was notified and they took action. We checked with the elevator operators. We found one that told us she'd seen a woman who answered the description get in her car. She explained that the woman seemed to be in a hurry and had left the elevator as soon as it had reached the main floor. A further check of the store netted us nothing. The suspect had escaped. In the downtown crowds, it would have been almost impossible to try to find her on the streets. However, an additional broadcast carrying a complete description of the clothing she was wearing was gotten out to all cars in the area. The first good chance we'd had for apprehending her was gone. We had to go back to the legwork and the waiting. Three months passed. During that time, Frank and I cleaned up a series of counterfeit payroll check cashings. Another 30 days went by without activity for the little mother. There were four new sales slips added to the file, but when the leads resulting from these were checked out, we were no closer to her than we'd been six years before. Thursday, December 17th, 12.55 p.m., I checked into the office. Joe, that's you? Yeah. What do you got? Oh, just talked to Skipper. Yeah. Got a couple of more beefs about the little mother. When did they come in? This morning. Where are they? Don Myers got them. He's checking the handwriting. Well, how about the names she used? Wait a minute. I got them here in my book. There they are. Mrs. Norris Farrell, Mrs. James Slagle, I guess it is, and Mrs. Ross Neiman. I called the stores and got the information on these people. Did you talk to them? Yeah. Asked all the routine stuff. None of them can think of any friends who match the description. How about the things she charged? Anything there? Mm, no. Usual items. Let's see. Two pair of Levi's for kids. One child's cotton dress. There is one thing different. What's that? Well, I checked the sizes of the clothes. The last bunch of sales slips we had, the dresses were for a 10-year-old. Yeah. This time, she bought them for a 12-year-old. Kids are getting bigger, Joe. You know, that's a big help. All we got to do is look for a couple of kids that are growing. Well, I was just trying to help, Joe. No, I mean, it just doesn't seem to be anywhere to go. All the time we've put in, all the people we've talked to, all we got for it is a file drawer all to ourselves on the thing. I get it. Forgery Friday. Who? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. I remember. Where is she now? I see. Yeah, we can be right over. Yes, ma'am. Bye. Bye.
Well, we got it. What do you mean? That was Mrs. Allen. Remember the sales lady over at Beckworth's? Oh, yeah, I think I do. What'd she have to say? Told me she's having lunch in a restaurant at the corner of Jackson and Hill. Yeah. Our suspect's sitting next to her. One oh two p.m. We checked out of the office and drove over to the restaurant. It was located at the rear of a large drugstore. When we came into the place, Mrs. Allen met us at the entrance. She took us back down the counter and pointed out a small woman sitting on the last stool. That's her. You sure, ma'am? I'm positive. That's her. All right, let's go. Yes. You want to wait here, Ms. Allen? Certainly. Something you gentlemen want? We're police officers, ma'am. We'd like to talk to you. Police? Yes, ma'am. You want to step over there to talk? Might be better. Well, if you want to say anything to me, you can say it right here. I haven't done anything wrong. What if we could see your identification? Why? Your identification, ma'am. Could we see it? All right. Just a minute. I've got my purse. It's getting terrible. I don't know what you officers are trying to find out, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you can't prove you've got a reason for making me do this, you're in trouble. We're not making you do anything, ma'am. We don't want to cause you any embarrassment. A funny way of showing it. I want to tell you that my husband knows people in this town. When he hears about this, he... Oh, here you are. Here's my driver's license. Would you take it out of your wallet, please? Here. Mrs. Evelyn Nelson? That's who I am. Is this your present address? No, it isn't. We moved a few months ago, but I haven't had a chance to have it changed. Is that all you want? No, Ms. Nelson, it isn't. I wonder if we could talk to you in our office. Why? I always thought you had to arrest people before you could order them around. We're asking you to come over to the city hall with us, if you will, ma'am. There are a few things we'd like to check out. What things? I wonder if I can see what you've got in the bags here. What are you looking for? Do you mind if we took a look? Well, they're just some clothes for my children. Nothing in there would interest you. Well, then it wouldn't hurt if we looked, would it? Go ahead. You won't find anything. You want to take a couple of these, Frank? Yeah, I got it. Well, what about it? Did you find anything wrong? Maybe a gun? No, ma'am, but I wonder if you could explain this. What's that? This charge slip here. Signed by Mrs. Ross Neiman. Well, certainly that was probably in the bag when I bought the things. I don't know anything about it. All right, Miss Nelson. Afraid we're going to have to ask you to come with us. On what charge? Suspicion of forgery. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. At cigarette dealers... In vending machines. At supermarkets and stores coast to coast. Chesterfield, please. Smokers by the thousands. Yes, smokers by the thousands are now changing to Chesterfield. The only cigarette ever to give you one proof of low nicotine, highest quality. Chemical analyses of the country's six leading brands confirm that. Two. The only cigarette ever to give you this proven record with smokers. Again and again, over a full year and one half, a group of Chesterfield smokers have been given thorough medical examinations. The doctor's reports are a matter of record. No adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfield. A responsible independent research laboratory supervises this continuing program. Chesterfield. The only cigarette ever with a record like this. Chesterfield. Best for you.
returned the suspect to the city hall for questioning. While Frank checked her name through the files, I tried to get her to talk. For 20 minutes, her attitude was one of surprise, and she answered the questions I put to her with indignance. Finally, she lapsed into silence and wouldn't reply at all to further interrogation. Frank came back from R&I with the information that there was no arrest record for Mrs. Nelson. We put out calls to the salesgirls who had waited on the little mother in the past and asked them to come down to the office to see if they could identify the suspect. Yes, ma'am. Room 29. Yeah, come right in the first street entrance, turn left into the police department. That's right, ma'am. There's an arch there. Go right through it. Mm -hmm. Straight down the hall and to the right. Well, it's the only way you can go. It's on the left as you go down the hall. That's right, 29. You'll ask for Sergeant Friday or Officer Smith? No, ma'am, Smith. It's all right, ma'am. We'll expect you. Goodbye. I'll call the next one. Yeah. You know, you'd save yourself and us a lot of trouble if you'd tell us the truth, Mrs. Nelson. Mrs. Nelson? Hello, may I speak with Miss Brundage, please? In children's wear? Yes, ma'am, I will. Hang up the phone. Beg your pardon? You don't have to go through this anymore. All right, ma'am. You want to tell us about it? Ms. Nelson? I only did it for them, the kids. I didn't want to. How do you think I felt when I knew I was stealing? How do you think I felt? You want to go ahead? My husband, Paul's a good man. What he's done, he thinks is right. I can't quarrel with him. But he doesn't know he doesn't understand. It isn't that he doesn't love the kids. He does. He really does. It's just that he doesn't understand. You can see that, can't you? He doesn't understand about them. Do either of you have a handkerchief? I came away this morning without one. Yes, ma'am. Here you are. Thanks. You want to go ahead, please? All his life he's worked put in long hours without a thought of what he was doing to himself. Every nickel, every nickel he made was put away so he'd be able to feel secure, so he wouldn't have to worry about anything. It was all right when we first got married. I could understand it then. I went along with what he thought. But the last few years, it's gotten to be an obsession with him. The almighty dollar, that's all that seems important to him. Now, what kind of work does your husband do, Mrs. Nelson? He owns a grocery store. Mm -hmm. Small place, but it does good, makes a good living. Only we aren't living, we're existing. Mm -hmm. He gives me $10 a week to run the house and buy clothes for the kids. I've tried, Lord knows I've tried, budget meals, cheap cuts of meat, day-old bread. Any way you spend it, no matter how you figure, $10 just doesn't go very far. Well, now, Mrs. Nelson, didn't you talk to your husband about it? Didn't you ask him for additional money for the expenses? Yes, I'd ask him, and he'd tell me that I had to make do all the time, make do just a little longer until he had the money in the bank. Then we'd be all right. Only the more it went on, the worse it got. It didn't seem to make any difference how much money we had, how the total in the passbook went up. He wasn't satisfied. Had to be a little more, a little more. Oh, I guess I'm feeling sorry for myself, but... You see, he could afford to buy the kid decent clothes, at least that. You agree with me, don't you? Well, that's hard to say, ma'am. Not for me. I'll never forget the day when my boy came home crying. He'd been fighting. One of the other boys at school had said something about the patches on his clothes. Just a little kid, that's all he was, ridiculed by his friends. That's when I made up my mind to do something about it. Does your husband know anything about your activities? No, nothing. 
How'd you explain the new clothes for the youngster to him? I didn't have to. Last year, he's been working so hard at the store, I hardly ever see him. The kids don't hardly know him. He even spends Sunday at the store dressing the windows. You mean he spends all his time there? Every minute he's not asleep. He let one clerk he had go so he could save the money. Always save the money. It doesn't make any difference who gets hurt. Get that dollar and put it away. That's what counts. Put the dollar away. You know something, officer? What's that, Ms. Nelson? I haven't been able to sit down and talk to my husband for six weeks. Six weeks, he gets home at 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. He's up and gone at 6.30. Kids are always asking when Daddy's coming home. How do you answer him? How do you make him understand? I can't. I've tried the only way I know how. And I did it so wrong. All right, Miss Nelson. We'll try to work it out. Can I use your phone? I've got to tell the children what to do about dinner. I'll call for you if you like, ma'am. What's the number? Hollywood 98844. Where's your husband now, Miss Nelson? At the store, I guess. You're going to call him? I think we should, ma'am. Let him know what's happened. I guess so. Somebody's got to take Hello, care of Hello, I'm kids. calling for Mrs. Nelson. I wonder if I could speak to her son. This is Sergeant Friday, Los Angeles Police Department. Who? Yes, no, she's down here now. Room 29. All right, fine. Was that my boy? I wanted to talk to him. No, ma'am, that was your husband. He's on his way down here. <laughs> p.m. Paul Nelson walked into the office. Frank and I took him and his wife to the interrogation room. She'd asked us while we waited for him if we'd let her talk to him for a few minutes alone. We stayed out in the hall, and after a brief wait, Paul Nelson opened the door and asked us to come into the room. His wife had evidently told him the full story because he was visibly shaken. He walked over to his wife and sat down beside her. Well, I guess I've really done it, haven't I? What do you mean, sir? I've really ruined everything. My home, my kids, everything. All the time it was happening, I never knew it, never had an idea. Don't blame yourself too much, Paul. But I should have known, I should have seen it myself. Even when you tried to tell me I was too busy to see it, too wrapped up with the business. It wasn't for me, Paul. It was for the children. It doesn't make any difference who it was for. I'm the one who caused it. I'm the one. It's my fault. I'm sorry, Evelyn. How can I ever make it up to you? Don't think about that now, Paul. It won't do any good. What's been done can't be changed. How about it, officer? Sir? What happens now? Well, your wife is going to be given a preliminary hearing. She'll have the chance to plead guilty. If she does, the court will decide what to do. What's the punishment for what she's done? Well, according to Section 473 of the Penal Code, it's imprisonment in the state penitentiary for 1 to 14 years or for not more than a year in the county jail. Is there any way out of it? What do you mean? Any way of getting Evelyn out of it? If I went to the judge and told him why she did it, if I told him it was my fault, would that make a difference? I don't know. I'd be up to the court. But I could try. Yes, sir. If I paid the money back for all the things she's taken, I can afford it. I could go to the stores and pay them. Maybe they'd feel different then, huh? I could make it up to them. Everything would be all right. Well, it's been going on for six years, you know. But if I did pay the stores back, it'd make it up to them, wouldn't it? Maybe, but how about your wife? What? How are you going to make it up to her? Four thirty p.m. The suspect was released on a rip. The next afternoon, Frank and I met with Mr. and Mrs. Nelson and their attorney. We talked over the case. 
seemed that the husband's change of heart was permanent. He swore that he'd never give his wife cause for unhappiness again. Two weeks later, in Department 89 of the Superior Court, Mrs. Nelson entered a plea of guilty to 14 counts of forgery. When the court reviewed the circumstances and was informed that Mr. Nelson intended to make full restitution, the probation board recommended that Mrs. Nelson be placed on probation for three years. After the hearing, Frank and I had a brief talk with the couple. They thanked us for our consideration and understanding. Apparently, the cause of trouble between the Nelsons had been erased. Another two weeks went by. January 22nd, Frank and I got back from lunch and we checked into the office. There they are, dear. Mr. Friday, Mr. Smith? Ms. Nelson, Mr. Nelson, how are you? Just fine, Sergeant. How are you two? Fine, thank you very much, ma'am. What can we do for you? That's what we want to do for you. Sir? You got the boxes, honey? Yeah, here they are. It's not much, but we thought that you'd like them. Made them ourselves to say hey. thanks. Look at that, Joe. Mm -hmm. That's not necessary, ma'am. You didn't have to do that. No, no, we wanted to. <laughs> Toll house cookies. He made a box for each of you. Real good. Lots of chocolate. Well, that's very nice of you. We just hope you'll enjoy them. Yes, ma'am. I'm sure we will. Yes, ma'am. How are things going with you? Well, just fine. Paul and I have gotten everything straightened out. I help him out at the store now. That way he's got more time to spend with the kids. Things just couldn't be much better. Well, we're glad to hear that. It's a funny thing to say, Mr. Friday, but it's true. The best thing that ever happened to us. What's that, Ms. Nelson? My getting arrested. <laughs> The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On January 8th, a meeting was held in the county probationer's office in and for the county of Los Angeles, state of California. In a moment, the results of that meeting. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, we've been getting letters from people all over the country telling us that they've switched to Chesterfield. And just as I've been telling you, thousands of smokers are changing to Chesterfield because only Chesterfield gives proof of low nicotine, highest quality. That's why I recommend you try them today. Regular or king size, you'll find Chesterfield best for you. At the end of three years, Mrs. Evelyn Margaret Nelson had fulfilled the requirements of her probation, and the case was officially marked closed. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Vic Rodman, Joyce McCluskey. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Watch an entirely new Dragnet case history each week on your local NBC television station. Please check your newspaper for the day and time. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. This is the NBC Radio Network.